The History of California by Hubert Howe Bancroft Chapter 1, 16th Century As in the history of Mexico, we are referred to Spain for the origin of affairs, so in the history of California is it necessary to glance at Mexico in order to properly understand the course of early events. Hernán Cortés landed at Veracruz in April 1519 and by August 1521 was in permanent possession of the Aztec capital. Within 10 years, Spanish occupation had been pushed south across the isthmus of Tehuantepec, west to the Pacific, and north to Panuco, Querétaro, and Colima. In exploration to the Huastec region of Tamaulipas, the Chichimec territory of Aguas Calientes, San Luis Potosí, Guanajuato, and the part of Jalisco below the Rio Grande. Let us give attention exclusively to the west and northwest, as Cortes himself was disposed to do whenever he could avoid the vexatious complications that called him to Mexico or Central America or to Spain. Before the middle of May 1522, Cortes had founded a town at Zacatula and begun to build there an exploring fleet. By the time it had become apparent that the old geographical theories must be somewhat modified, then this was shown by discoveries in the Pacific farther south than the conqueror's shipyard. Evidently, the Mexican region was distinct, though not necessarily distant from Asia, being separated from that continent by a strait in the north, or else it was a southeastern projection of Asia from a point farther north than the knowledge of the old travelers had extended. Cortes proposed to solve the mystery by simply following the coast, first northward, then westward, and finally southward, round to India. If a strait existed, he was sure to find its mouth, and if not, he would at least reach India by a new route and would at the same time add many rich islands and coasts to the Spanish domain. That such islands existed, no one ventured to doubt, and one romancer of the time went so far as to invent a name for one of them and people it with the offspring of his imagination. The work of building ships made slow progress, material had to be transported overland from Veracruz, and the tedious operation had to be repeated after a fire which destroyed the Zacatula warehouse. In 1524, it was hoped to have the fleet ready to sail in July of the next year, but Cortes was called away by his Honduras campaign, and exploration must wait. Meanwhile, Michoacan had submitted peaceably in 1522. Colima had been conquered after several reverses in 1523, while in 1524, Jalisco from Lake Chapala to Tepic was explored by Avalos and Francisco Cortes, the native chieftains becoming vassals of Spain, though no Spaniards were left in the country. Banderas Valley and a good port, Manzanillo, or Santiago, were discovered during this expedition. The vessels were made ready after the return of Cortes to sail in 1526, and three more were on the stocks at Tehuantepec. Then came Guevara from Magellan Strait to Zacatula, but while Cortes was preparing to send him with Ordaz to India by the northern coast route, a royal order required the vessels to be dispatched under Saavedra by a more direct way to the Spice Islands and Loaysa's relief. Yet before starting, the fleet made a beginning at northern exploration by a trial trip up to Santiago and Colima. Work on the other ships was stopped by the Captain General's foes when he went to Spain in 1528. And though building operations were resumed later at Tehuantepec and Acapulco, new impediments were thrown in the explorer's way, and at the end 
1531, he was disheartened at the gloomy prospect. Meanwhile, a rival and foe to the conquistador had appeared on the scene in the person of Nuno de Guzman, president of the Royal Audencia. He foresaw that the return of Cortes from Spain would result in his own downfall, and he resolved to wrest triumph from the jaws of disgrace. Having presided at the trial of his enemy, he was familiar with the scheme of northern conquest. As Governor Panuco, he had heard from the native rumors of great cities in the north. Instead of tamely submitting to trial in Mexico, he would make the northern scheme his own, and by this bold stroke not only turn the tables on his foe, but win for himself lasting power, fame, and riches. At the end of 1529, Guzman marched from Mexico with 500 soldiers and 10,000 Indian allies. The route was down the Rio Grande de Lerma to the region of the modern Guadalajara. A part of the army under Oñate and Chirinos by a northern detour penetrated to the sites of the later Lagos, Aguascalientes, Zacatecas, and Jerez. And in May 1530, the divisions were reunited at Tepic. The advance was everywhere marked by devastation, and few native towns escaped burning. No heed was given to the rights of the former conquerors, Avalos and Cortes, but Guzman's policy was to make it appear that the country had never been conquered at all. Such Indians, as were not hostile at first, were therefore provoked to hostility, that there might be an excuse for plunder, destruction, carnage, and especially for the seizure and branding of slaves. This chapter of horrors, one of the bloodiest in the annals of Spain, the Spanish conquest, continued to the end. Yet outrages were considerably less frequent and terrible in the far north than in Jalisco. A garrison was left at Tepic and Guzman crossed the great river Tololotlan into unexplored territory, taking possession under the pompous title of Greater Spain, designed to eclipse that of New Spain. In July, the army went into winter quarters at Astatlan on the Rio Acopeneta, remaining until December. They suffered severely from flood and pestilence, being obliged to send back to Michoacan for supplies and for Indians to take the place of thousands that had perished. After a month at Chametla, the march was continued through Quesala, Biasla, and Sigutan to Culiacan in March 1531. No great cities or golden treasures being found, the zeal for coast exploration was at an end after Captain Samaniego had reached the Rio Petatlan or Sinaloa, finding a barren country and a rude people. The president now bethought him of the inland towns of which he had heard at Panuco. From May to July, he made a tedious and futile trip across the Sierra to the confines of Chihuahua. Oñete and Angulo crossed the mountains by different routes, perhaps to the plains of Guadiana or Durango, and other minor expeditions were made. None but savage tribes were found. The Spanish villa of San Miguel de Culiacan was founded with 100 soldier settlers from Proaño, and then Guzman started in October with the rest of his army back to Jalisco. Guzman was made governor of the new province, the name of which was made Nueva Galicia, instead of Mayor España. Compostela was made the capital, and they were also founded within a few years Espiritu Santo, or Guadalajara, near Nochislan, and far north of its modern site, and Chametla in Sinaloa, a mere military camp, sometimes entirely deserted. The new province had no definite boundaries, 
being intended to include the new conquests. Neglecting the northern regions to some, or to which, as discoverer, he had some claim, the governor devoted himself chiefly to encroachments in the south. He became involved in difficulties that finally overwhelmed him, though he did not lack opportunity to vent his old spite against Cortes on one or two occasions. Guzman was summoned to Mexico and put in prison, and in 1538 was sent to Spain, where he died six years later in poverty and distress. Encouraged by the new Audencia, Cortes took courage, and in 1532 was able to dispatch two vessels under his cousin Hurtado de Mendoza and Mazuela. They touched at Santiago. By Guzman's orders were refused water at Mantanchel, or San Blas, discovered the Tres Marias, and after a long storm, landed at an unknown point on the coast. Provisions were nearly exhausted and the men became mutinous. Hurtado kept on northward, with all his men was killed at the Rio Tamuxala, or Fuerte. The malcontents, returning southward, were driven ashore in Banderas Bay and killed by the natives, all save two or three who escaped to Colima, while Guzman seized all that he could, all that could be saved from the wreck. To him, Cortes attributed the misfortunes of the expedition. There were still left two vessels at Tehuantepec, which were dispatched late in 1533 under Becerra and Grijalva. The latter, after discovering the Revilla Gijelo Islands, returned to Acapulco. Grijalva's men mutinied, killed Becerra, put his partisans ashore on the Colima coast, and continued the voyage under Jimenez. They soon discovered a bay on an island coast, as they supposed, but really in the peninsula, and probably identical with La Paz. And there, Jimenez was killed with 20 of his men. The few survivors brought the ship to Chametla, where they were imprisoned by Guzman, but escaped with the news to Cortes, carrying also reports of pearls in the northern waters. The captain general now resolved to take command in person, and having sent three vessels from Tehuantepec early in 1535, he set out with a force overland. Guzman wisely kept out of the way, contenting himself with complaints and protests. The sea and land expeditions were reunited at Chametla, and Cortes sailed in April with over 100 men, about one-third of his whole force. Jimenez's bay was reached on May 3rd and named Santa Cruz. After a year of misfortunes, during which a part of the remaining colonists were brought over with their families, Cortes went back to Mexico. He intended to return with a new fleet and succor for the colony, but he inst sent instead a vessel in 1536 to bring away the whole party. He had had quite enough with the Northwestern colonization. On the main, there was occasional communication between San Miguel and the South. Indeed, one party of Cortez's colonists went from Chametla to Culiacan by land. In 1533, Diego de Guzman reached the Rio Yaqui, and it was he that learned the fate of Hurtado. There was no prosperity at the villa. The garrison lived at first by trading their beads and trinkets for food, then on tribute of the native towns. And at last, when the towns had been stripped, they had to depend on raids for plunder and slaves. On one of these excursions to the Rio Fuerte in 1536, a party under Alcatraz were supposed to meet three Spaniards and a Negro while they were brought to San Miguel to tell their strange tale of adventure. They were Alvar Nunez and his companions, the only survivors of 300 men who, under Narvaez, had landed in Florida in 1528. Escaping in 1535 from slavery on the Texan coast, these four had found their way across Texas 
Chihuahua, and Sonora to the Pacific coast. Their salvation was due mainly to the reputation acquired by Cabeza de Vaca as a medicine man among the natives. Alvar Nunez went to Mexico in 1536 and next year to Spain. He had not, as has sometimes been claimed, reached the Pueblo towns of New Mexico, but he had heard of them and he brought to Mexico some vague reports of their grandeur. These reports revived the old zeal for northern conquest. Guzman was out of the field, but Viceroy Mendoza caught the infection. Having questioned Cabeza de Vaca and having bought his Negro, he resolved to send an army to the north. The command was given to Vasquez de Coronado, governor of Nueva Galicia, to prepare the way for a Franciscan friar Marcos de Niza was sent out from Culiacan early in 1539. With the Negro Estevanico, Niza went, quote, as the Holy Ghost did lead him, end quote, through Sonora and Arizona, perhaps to Zuni or Cibola, where the Negro was killed. The friar hastened back with grossly exaggerated reports of the marvels he had seen. Cortez also heard the reports of Nunez and Niza and was moved by them to new efforts, disputing the right of Mendoza to act in the matter at all. He dispatched Uloa with three vessels, one of which was lost on the Culiacan coast in July 1539. This navigator reached the head of the Gulf, then coasted the peninsula southward, touching at Santa Cruz and rounded the point sailing up the outer coast to Cedros Island. One of the vessels returned in 1540. Of Uloa and the other, nothing is pos positively known. It seems to have been in the diary of this voyage that the name California, taken from an old novel, the Sergas of Esplandia, as elsewhere explained, was applied to a portion of the peninsula. Governor Coronado, with a force of 300 Spaniards and 800 natives from Mexico, departed from Culiacan in April 1540. He left a garrison in Sonora, followed Niza's route, cursing the friars' exaggerations, and reached Zuni in July. Tobar was sent to Tusayan, or the Moqui towns. Cardenas to the Great Canyon, Canyon of the Colorado, and Alvarado far eastward to Sicuye, or Pecos. Then the army marched east to spend the winter in the valley of the Rio Grande, the province of Tiguex, later New Mexico. In May 1541, after a winter of constant warfare caused by oppression, Coronado started out into the Great Plains northeastward in search of great towns and precious metals never found. He returned in September, having penetrated, as he believed, to latitude 40 and found only wigwam towns in the province of Kibira, possibly in the Kansas of today. Expeditions were also sent far up and down the Rio del Norte, and in the spring of 1542, when nearly ready for a new campaign, the governor was seriously injured in a tournament and resolved to abandon the enterprise. Some friars were left behind, who were soon killed, and in April, the return march began. Mendoza was bitterly disappointed, but acquitted the governor of blame. The force left in Sonora while Coronado was in the north founded the settlements of San Geronimo de los Corazones in the region between the modern Arizpe and Hermosillo. And from here at the end of 1540, Melchor Diaz made a trip up the coast to the Rio Colorado called Rio del Tizon and across that river below the Gila. He was killed accidentally and his men returned. San Geronimo, after its site, had been several times changed and most of the settlers had deserted or had been massacred. It was abandoned before the arrival of Coronado 
on his return in 1542. Also in Coronado's absence, and to cooperate with him, Mendoza sent two vessels under Alarcón from Acapulco in May 1540. He reached the head of the Gulf and went up the Rio Colorado, or Buena Guía, in boats, possibly beyond the Gila Junction. Leaving a message found later by Diaz, Alarcón returned to Colima in November. Another voyage was planned, but prevented by revolt. After a hard struggle to maintain his prestige and prevent what he regarded as Mendoza's illegal interference with his plans, Cortes went to Spain in 1540 to engage in an equally fruitless struggle before the throne. Another explorer, however, appeared, in the person of Pedro de Alvarado, governor of Guatemala, who came up to Colima in 1540 with a fleet, 800 men, and a license for discovery. But Mendoza, instead of quarreling with Alvarado, formed a partnership with him. A revolt of eastern Jalisco tribes, known as the Mixton War, interrupted all plans of exploration. Many reforms had been introduced since Guzman's time, but too late. Incited by sorcerers on the northern frontiers to avenge past wrongs and regain their independence, the natives killed their encomenderos, abandoned their towns, and took refuge on fortified Peñoles. Believed to be impregnable, the strongest being those of Mixton and Nochisla. At the end of 1540, Guadalajara, already moved to uh, Tacotlan Valley, was the only place held by the Spaniards, and that was in the greatest danger. Alvarado came to the rescue from the coast, but rashly attacking Nochislan, he was defeated and killed in 1541. Soon, Guadalajara was attacked, but after a great battle in which 15,000 natives were slain, the town was saved to be transferred at once to its modern site. Mendoza was troubled for the safety not only of Nueva Galicia, but all of New Spain, and he marched north with a large army. In a short but vigorous campaign, he captured the Peñoles, one after another, even to that of Mixton, by siege, by assault, by stratagem, or by the treachery of the defenders returning to Mexico in 1542. Thousands of natives were killed in battle, thousands cast themselves from the cliffs and perished, thousands were enslaved, many escaped to the Sierras of Nayarit and Zacatecas, but the spirit of rebellion was broken forever. There is little more that need be said of Nueva Galicia here. It was explored and conquered. The Audencia was established at Compostela in 1548 and moved with the capital to Guadalajara in 1561. A bishopric was erected in 1544. The religious orders founded missions. Agriculture and stock raising made some progress. New towns were built. Rich mines were worked, especially in Zacatecas, where the town of that name was founded in 1548. These mines caused the rest of Nueva Galicia to be well-nigh depopulated at first and were themselves almost abandoned before 1600 in consequence of a rush to new mines in the region of Nombre de Dios. Some exploring parties reached Durango, Chihuahua, and Sinaloa. Ibarra, the leader in inland explorations northward, was made governor of Nueva Vizcaya, a new province formed about 1560 of all territory above the modern Jalisco and Zacatecas line. Nombre de Dios was founded in 1558. Durango, or Guadiana, is capital in 1563. Before 1565, there were flourishing settlements in San Bartolome Valley of southern Chihuahua. Ibarra also crossed the Sierra to Sinaloa and Sonora, founding San Juan Batista on the Suaki or Fuerte about 1564, and refounding San Sebastian de Jametla where rich mines were found. 
San Juan was soon abandoned, but five settlers remained on the Rio de Sinaloa as a nucleus of San Felipe, the modern Sinaloa. Indian campaigns of 1584 to 1589 left a few new settlers for San Felipe. Before 1590, the Franciscans had eight or nine missions in Durango and Chihuahua. When the Jesuits took over or undertook northern conversion in 1590, Fathers Tapia and Perez, and soon six more, came to San Felipe de Sinaloa and began work on the rivers Petatlan and Mocorito. They had 20 pueblos and 4,000 converts before 1600. Father Tapia reached the Rio Fuerte and the mountains of Topla, but was martyred in 1594. Yet missions were founded in Topla in 1600, where the mining towns of San Andres and San Hipolito already existed. San Felipe had become a kind of presidio in 1596 under Captain Diaz. East of the mountains, the Jesuits also began work among the Tepehuanes at Zape and Santa Catalina, and at Santa Maria de Parras in the lake region of Coahuila. Saltillo was founded in 1586, and about 1598 the town of Parras was built in connection with the Jesuit mission there. New Mexico was revisited and finally occupied before 1600. In 1581, Rodriguez with two other Franciscans and a few soldiers went from San Bartolome down the Conchos and up the Rio del Norte to the land of Tiguas, Coronado's Tiguesh. The soldiers soon returned, but the friars remained to be killed. In 1582-1583, Espejo, with a strong force, went in search of Rodriguez, learning at Puara, near Sandia, of the friars' fate and of Coronado's former ravages in that region. Espejo explored eastward to the Buffalo Plains, northward to Silla and Galisteo, and westward to Zuni in the region of the modern Prescott, returning by way of the Rio Pecos. In 1590-1591, Castaño de Sosa went up the Pecos and across to the Pueblo towns of the Rio Grande with a colony of 170 men, women, and children. After receiving the submission of 33 towns, he was carried back to Mexico in chains by Captain Morlete on the charge of having made an illegal entrada or expedition. About 1595, Bonilla and Humana sent out against rebellious Indians, marched without license to New Mexico and sought Quivira in the northeastern plains. Humana murdered his chief and was himself killed with most of his party by the natives. In 1595, the viceroy made a new contract for the conquest of New Mexico with Oñate, who was a governor and captain general uh, who left Mexico with a large force of soldiers and colonists in 1596. Vexatious complications hindered Oñate's progress and exhausted his funds, so that it was not until 1598 that he entered the Promised Land. San Juan was made the capital. All the towns submitted. The Franciscans were stationed in six nations. Oñate visited Zuñi, and the rebellious warriors of the Acoma Peñol were conquered in a series of hard-fought battles, all before the summer of 1599. Let us return to the coast to an earlier date since the connection between maritime exploration and inland progress is very slight. Mendoza, at the close of the Mixed War in 1542, though not encouraged by the results of past efforts, had a fleet on his hands and one route of exploration yet open and promising that up the outer coast of the peninsula. Therefore, Cabrillo sailed from Natividad with two vessels, made a careful survey, applied names that for the most part have not been retained past the limits of Uloa's discoveries and anchored at San Miguel, now San Diego, in September. Explorations farther north under Cabrillo and his successor, Ferrello, 
will be fully given in a later chapter. They describe the coast somewhat accurately up to the region of Monterey, and Forello being believed himself to have reached the latitude of 44 degrees. Mendoza's efforts on the coast ended with Cabrillo's voyage, but fleets crossed the ocean to the Philippines. And in 1565, Urdaneta for the first time recrossed the Pacific, discovering the northern route followed for two centuries by the Manila galleons. Of discoveries by these vessels, little is known, but they gave a good idea of the coast trend up to, the Cape, up to Cape Mendocino. They also attracted foreign freebooters. Drake ravaged the southern coasts in 1579, also reaching latitude 43 and anchoring in a California port. Gali, coming by the northern route in 1584, left on record some slight observations on the coast of up to 37 degrees. Cavendish in 1586 made a plundering cruise up as far as Mazatlan, then crossing over to Cape San Lucas, he captured the treasure ship and bore off across the Pacific. Maldonado's fictitious trip through the Strait of Anian and back in 1588, and the similar imaginary exploits of Fuca in the North Pacific have no importance for us in this connection. One Spanish commander of the many who came down the coast had orders to make investigations. Cermenon in 1595, but of the result, we know only that his vessel was wrecked under Point Reyes. In 1597, Vizcaino was sent to explore a new and occupy for Spain the Californian Isles. He sailed from Acapulco with a large force and three vessels accompanied by four Franciscan friars. His explorations in the Gulf added but little to geographical knowledge and the settlement, which he attempted to found at Santa Cruz by him called La Paz, was abandoned after a few months after the inability of the country to furnish food, the departure being hastened by a storm and fire that destroyed buildings and stores. Thus closed the annals of the 16th century.